1: Business is boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Powell. If you're like me and like to read and follow the stories of successful people, some common themes emerge. Never giving up, always persevering, get knocked down and get back up, never take no, feel the fear and do it anyway, fail until you succeed, It sounds ghastly, doesn't it? And it can be. It's hard emotionally and physically. What does it take to do this and what's the toll? To get the resilience, to keep going, to make it. Today's guest is an expert in this field, a coach of mentoring resilience to businesses, leaders and sports teams like the Crusaders and the Wallabies. Jamie Ford of Foresight Learning joins us now to chat through how resilience is learned, trained and practised and not something that's innate, and how you can build your own. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Simon. It's good to be here. Tell me, how was it that you came to be in this field?
0: I was working for a large multinational training company. In fact, the second that I'd worked for, my contract came to an end, and I decided to establish my own enterprise and deliver training into the corporate sector, where I'd already been providing a lot of value, as a manager of um, that last enterprise. And it was shortly after I did that uh, and uh, had, a, had good uh, business uh, clients and very happy with the, the work and the clients. And I came across the work of uh, Dr. Martin Seligman, who's now widely respected for his influence in the area of positive psychology. And his uh, work provided some remarkable insights into what we generally refer to as attitude. And in my experience, and particularly as an HR manager, managers are often complaining about the attitude of employees, but they don't see any way to achieve the changes that they would like to see. And using a tool called the SASQ that was devised by Martin Seligman, it's actually possible to unpack the attitudes of people, and so obtain the distribution rights for that tool, and as the saying goes, well, the rest is history out of that. There's a business arm developed which was supplying that uh, that psychometric assessment tool, and also a whole lot of learning and development programs that are based around that whole body of science, which is really zeroed in on uh, what is the mindset of people who, who are resilient.
1: How do you go and um? L- how do you go and take that to say you're the thorny employee who has the um, <laughs> the bad attitude and the non growth mindset? How do you go and actually get in there and and find out what they are thinking and turn them around? Well, in the first instance, it would
0: be the employer that would approach us and we would have a discussion about a process and they might have been through uh, certain processes. On one occasion, uh, a manager I met for the first time was waving a letter and saying, well, I've got an unpleasant job to do today. What's that? Well, this is final notice. This employee's going. And so uh, the, the, the conversation then revolved around the idea that, well, you're going to be involved in the same process. Now I'm finding another employee to replace this one and he may do no better. So why don't we carry out an assessment with this employee and see if there is something that, uh, uh, that might uh, be changed and that employee might be interested in. So a discussion with the employee took place who was really, really keen because he said, well, I don't want to be fired and I don't understand what's going on and what's, what the problem is. And the assessment showed very, very clearly, using that tool devised by Seligman exactly where the problem was, because it unpacks the mindset and the attitude. And so the, the employer and the employee and I met, and I outlined a program, the, the uh, employer committed to it, if the employee would engage in it, and the employee wanted to because of the difficulties that they were experiencing in the job, and within a very short uh, period of time, it was a complete turnaround and the employee became one of the most valued employees in the business. And that's happened also in a number of other businesses where we've come in to assist with employees who maybe are on the edge of the gangplank, and there's been a major turnaround because the tools and the processes provide us with insights into what's going on, and the employees are puzzled as to what's going on, and they really value the insights and the process that enables them to make
1: those changes, which make them a very valued employee. That's fascinating. So what kind of personality or I guess personality is probably a loaded word here, what kind of traits or behaviours are not positive? And then how do you change them from those, make them recognise them? and start exhibiting positive behaviours. Well, what's been found, particularly in the research
0: of Martin Seligman, is that the, this mindset of people who probably aren't being as productive, uh, as effective as they would like to be, and others would like them to be, they tend to see that adversities and setbacks are, uh, are, are going to affect them for long periods of time, and, and it's going to drag them down. It's going to fe- have an adverse effect on lots of aspects of their life, and probably it's mainly to do with them where the people who get over setbacks and adversities quickly, who achieve much more of their potential, are those who see and per- perceive adversity, setbacks, things turn into custodias, very, very temporary. It's not going to be like this for long. Um, so they're kind of like uh, speed bumps on the highway of life rather than great big landslides that have wiped out the whole roading network. And they see them as being uh, very, very limited in their impact, and so it's like one segment of the Mandarin. It's not the whole Mandarin. It's not the whole bag of mandarins. It's a very, very small aspect. There's much more in life that's going well than just this one area that's not going so well. And they're quite comfortable with the concept that there are many, many factors came into play. It's not all to do with them. They're not so egotistical as to make it all to do with them. There are many factors over which they had no control that influence it. So it is less, uh, has a less damaging impact on their self-esteem. And they're able to put it behind them and move on quickly to the next opportunities.
1: How do you do that? How do you get into someone who sees every problem in the world is about them and everything is being massive and first get them to recognise that in a positive way that doesn't get them to go further into the shell and then start acting differently. Well, that's what the tool does.
0: That wonderful tool devised by Martin Seligman, known as the SASQ, that's what the tool does. So it's not me or someone else telling them this and they can poo-poo it. No, well, here's what the tool that's been validated in over a thousand studies now shows is what your accidentally learned habits of thinking are. It's accidental learning, it's not genetic. So those are very important aspects of this whole thing. And it's just, uh, you've just normalized it, but we're gonna show you different ways of thinking. So we'll take specific ex- instances of things turning a custard and create alternative ways of thinking and get them to practice using those particular thoughts Uh, And that starts developing new neural pathways. So we've got to shut down the old neural pathways that got established in childhood and build new neural pathways. And it happens really, really quickly. But it is a bit of an exercise. It's like getting the machete and carving your way through the bush. You've you've gone off the motorway. You've walked off the motorway now because that's going to a really unhappy place. And now you're carving a new track through the bush using a machete. But by using that you quickly, these new thoughts become quite normal and they lead to very, very different outcomes by by not making yourself the whole centre of the universe and it's all, you know, it's terrible. And uh, so it's very, very effective.
1: How does this work on the flip side? So let's say that you're doing quite well. Are there ways that you can improve your thinking again? Exactly, yes. And the,
0: the tool does show that because the model of resilience that we work on it, it has two sides to it. it, it most... Uh, Consultants talking about resilience will only be focusing on uh, adversities and setbacks, but ours also focus on successes and achievements. So the tool shows us the degree to which people might be minimising the value of their achievements and their successes, and it's like they're, they're just taking their foot off the accelerator. They're not getting the drive, the motivation and energy from their successes that they could do. And so we use a similar process of uh, thought changing, and building new neural pathways, so that they get more drive and energy by the way they think about their successes. Now, they're not necessarily verbalising this. Uh, we don't want to, you know, put them in a situation where they're going to get the head and the hands
1: uh, because of the tall poppy syndrome struck. Mm. But it's about the way they are thinking about stuff that's going on. Yeah, it, what kind of things are they thinking? What's holding people back from? Reaching their full potential and, and going as far as they can? Oh, they'll be thinking that um, the reason something went well
0: is um, is, a, is, a, is a stroke of luck, but it didn't have anything to do with them using their skills, their abilities, their network of contacts, uh, their uh, knowledge. Uh, they'll they'll be thinking along those lines. Oh, it's just a bit of luck, and uh, well, it didn't get to last long um, anyway. So don't get too excited about it. it. Won't last long, and probably you know no one no one else will ever hear about this. And those are, those are very demotivating ways to think about it, and uh, they'll achieve much more if they, if they flip that around and think, well, you know, the reasons why this is working are to do with the way I apply myself, the way I use my skills and knowledge, and my network of contacts, um, and it's going to have a beneficial effect on, on lots and lots of things in life, and
1: it'll probably, uh, it'll probably last a long while too. The first time that a lot of people in New Zealand would have heard about this kind of mental conditioning uh, is through people's work with sports teams and that kind of mental toughness that's been brought into sports teams. Tell me about your work there. Well, I was
0: invited to go and work with uh, Canterbury Rugby and the Crusaders, and the my understanding is that up to the time and, and uh, that uh, I was invited, the Canterbury Rugby team, while they'd won the provincial championship on a number of occasions, uh, in over 100 years, they'd never achieved back-to-back wins. So you've got a mindset there says, so well, we're onces. And after implementing the system, and I'll take my hat off to Steve Lancaster, who was a high-performance manager at the time, uh, a great leader, under his influence and uh, in implementing the system, they then went on to win six titles in a row, and no other province has ever done that. The nearest has been a province that uh, won four, time, four consecutive championships. But uh, Canterbury went went and won uh, six in a row. Then they they uh, lost lost one, the seventh one, and now they're back on track again. They've won the last two.
1: So, uh, yeah, it certainly has a big impact. Does that help? Does success in that field, the, the, the rugby field, uh, help when you come to businesses? Because there's a thing in New Zealand culture, isn't it, that you don't want to talk about being the best you can be or about your feelings of inadequacy or any of that kind of stuff. Does it help start the conversations that kind of these blokey rugby folk are doing it? Oh, I think so, yes. Uh, and we see more and more of that coming into
0: play with the, the All Blacks. Uh, you hear them speaking about these things, how they, uh, they just focus on what they can control on the field. That's an indication that they are learning and applying
1: these things too. And that's a good thing. Yeah, let's look at a couple of those kind of like if someone's listening right now and, um, you know, without picking picking on you, listener, what if they've got some negative habits? What are some simple steps they can do to, to start putting things into a positive mindset? Well, the first thing to do would be uh, to be aware of the emotions. When When we're
0: experiencing negative emotions and strong feelings about things, that's a pretty strong signal that there's some thinking going on but it's a very deep level it's accidentally learned and probably uh, pretty well got set in our early childhood so just be aware and then engage in what we call thought catching okay well if I'm feeling this uh, what on earth are the thoughts that are triggering off this kind of um, these kind of feelings and then let's have a look at what these thoughts are they're probably going to be If it's in an adverse situation along the lines of, well, it's going to be like this for a long time and, oh, it's going to screw up everything and, oh, this has happened because I'm some kind of a loser or a tosser, you know, that's the kind of negative thing. Well, let's just change that around. Oh, okay. well, it happens now and again, but it doesn't happen all the time. And it'll, hmm, well, there'll be a few people might be affected by it and upset, but not many, actually. A bit like, you know, Rob Muldoon about, uh, you know, uh, bad news. Well, it's wrapping fish and chips paper tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's really not going to have much of an impact. anyway, hey, there's lots and lots of good things about me. Uh, this is not, this is not um, defining me. It's not a defo- defining moment in my life and all about me. This is, uh, there's lots of other factors came into play. So, straight away, we can start switching our uh, thinking, you know, and get onto a totally different track. Instead of derailing ourselves, we're now providing ourselves with the, with the ability
1: to be more, much more resilient and to uh, and to persevere and persist. You mentioned before it's one part of the Mandarin and that idea of compartmentalising, like kind of, I guess, popping what's going on in a box and going, well, I'll think about that in a minute and I'll instead focus on what I can actually do to get through this. Is that something that um, people can, can learn? Absolutely. Uh, and some people... Fortunately, in
0: the early childhood had developed that. I recall a gentleman on a course at the University of Auckland where a course is very, very popular, um, and he just naturally did that. He couldn't comprehend people who didn't do that, who made everything that's going wrong global. And so it's like uh, he's living in a totally different country. And that's one of, the, one of the ways we think about this is, well, think of it like a foreign country and uh, you're comfortable in the country you are in, but it's not actually uh, enjoyable, it's not helpful, and going to another country is scary, but let's just go and take a little visit and find out what it's like there. So he, he was quite comfortable in a country where a lot of people have never visited, and he found it quite strange that people would do these things and they're thinking, making things, you know, it's its a whole bag of mandarins, not just one segment, and not compartmentalising. You couldn't understand why people would do that. But that's all an outcome of accidental learning and uh, we haven't engaged in it deliberately, but we've normalised it. And so because of it, it's normal, it's comfortable, and we just think that's the way things are, rather than understanding, well, those are accidental choices that we've made.
1: The Another big school of this is... Uh, anger management, isn't it, where people are teaching people um, that the only thing they can control in a situation is their own feelings, and so just focus on that rather than all the externalising. And it's quite interesting how um, a lot of these issues all stem from that same kind of, um, I guess, like a global explosion of the brain. That's true, and I think they're
0: really, really valuable insights that come from science that are teaching us that we are creating our own emotions and our, those emotions are created by the way we are thinking about the stuff that's going on. On the motorway coming into town this morning, on the Northern Motorway, uh, I was just coming past the the on-ramp from the Northcote Road, the Ocean View Road, and the next minute there's horns blaring on the left-hand side and somebody was trying to squeeze in against a great big long truck and clearly there was a bit of a brain explosion that occurred and eventually this person just uh, raced across the the, the little dip where the, between the on-ramp and the left lane and shot in. I made space and let them get into the gap. Uh, and then a little bit later on I was alongside them because I'd switched lanes and here they were focusing on the truck and the driver instead of paying attention to the driving where they were. So it's, it's, it's very easy to have these brain explosions uh, but that's always a signal that
1: there's some kind of thinking going on and we can always control our thinking. How long does it take... To make a change, because you you work with some people for a long time and some people for a short course at the Auckland University Business School, like what what kind of um, what kind of investment do people have to make to actually start to improve the way that they think? Oh, it's astonishing how quickly once they grasp
0: the key concepts. And start applying them. And if I'm coaching people, then we might be having weekly sessions, uh, and they have homework and stuff to do. But within a couple of weeks, a couple of sessions, they're already starting to experience change, and that's coming through in the in the in the work they do for me between the sessions, and in the the way that they uh, the way they react to the situations going on in life. And people who've come on the course. Uh, courses will say, even the next day, oh, gee, I got back to work and the sky fell and I would have been absolutely crushed and destroyed by it, but I've been able to apply what you've uh, what, what I learned. And, hey, it's, it's not comfortable and it's not enjoyable, but I'm getting on fine and we're solving problems. Uh, and in another case, uh, I recall a woman talking about how she'd got home and one of her children, was, there was some, some uh, stuff going on with one of the kids and she started doing what she would normally do, uh, and then caught herself and the switch tracks and started applying some of the stuff that she'd learned on the
1: course. And there was a big turnaround within a matter of 20 minutes. And in terms of the cultural part of it, we talked a little bit about the sports being maybe a Trojan horse for, you know, Kiwis to be able to talk about these things. What's it like the difference between New Zealand and Australia, where you also do work? Well, Australians, we, we bag them
0: because we say, oh, they're so arrogant. We bag Americans because they're so brash. But, in fact, what we're reflecting on there is the fact that they are more resilient and they're much more optimistic. And optimism and pessimism are terms that you know Seligman uses to describe this. And Australians and Americans tell me that the negativity in New Zealand hits them like a wall when they get off the plane. And they have just... Uh, and again, an outcome of accidental learning, but it's very much part of the norm of their culture, they're just quite much more comfortable um, with the idea that um, uh, they see the problems as being just temporary kind of things that are happening and not going to affect too much. And No, no, there was lots of external influences, and uh, they're they're much more comfortable with those kind of concepts, and it's a normal way that they uh, just go about life and go about thinking about stuff that's going on and they don't derail themselves as easy as Kiwis do or get down in the dumps. I mean, you know, from, from a couple of perspectives, uh, we know that uh, wages and salaries, I think a little while back I saw some stats that said that wages and salaries in Australia have gone 30% ahead of New Zealand's in a space of 15 years, and uh, mental health stats are appalling. The uh, We lead the world in suicide, the Western, the developed world, for suicide rates of uh, young men, but that's about half of... Of that of Australia Uh, so I say we need a lot more of what it is that mindset of the Australians we shouldn't be bagging them and disparaging of them we should be uh, learning from them and gaining insights and developing that mind that same kind of mindset
1: so can those same resilience things be taught in schools to give especially young people um, the the ability to get some perspective know that this too shall pass and get through it? Oh,
0: very much so. And Seligman, uh, in his
1: book, The Optimistic
0: Child, uh, has great study there of working with intermediate-age children and seeing a huge turnaround in the risk of depression. And so, yes, you can. And I've um, run classes, night classes for families, and 10-year-old kids can pick this up, the key concepts, and, uh, and, and apply them and make use of them. So it, in my view is that uh, we should have it embedded right throughout the whole education system and it would be of great benefit in respect to the mental well-being of the whole nation in fact i'd like to see a, a national survey carried out using the seligman tool just so we see what the state of our mental well-being is and what we uh, and the, and
1: then what we can do about it if people are listening and thinking oh, i could use a bit of mental toughness a bit of resilience uh, maybe i could be more positive in how i act i guess they could jump into um some reading about uh Uh, 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 about the kind of um, background of this, but also you you do do uh, short courses through the university, don't you? That's correct, yes. A very, very popular uh, course,
0: uh, learning uh, resilience and mental toughness, and there's been thousands of people attend that course over the years and, uh, um, you know, delighted with the kind of testimonials and the the comments and the feedback that come from the people who've attended the course. And uh, the learning that they've gained is uh, lifelong. It lasts lifelong, and it's... Uh, broad
1: in its application it applies to every aspect of life not just to their to their work Well thank you for joining us Jamie Ford of Foresight Learning uh, that's a, a fascinating thing to feel that maybe you can learn some of those skills to keep going uh, Thank you very much to Jose Barbosa for producing and thank you for listening You have been listening to Business is Boring presented by Simon Pound Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation.
0: From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Sparklab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Sparklab, visit sparklab.co.nz.